0: Thomas Edison, he tried 10,000 times to make this idea that he saw in his head. Somewhere in there, he's thinking of this thought and he tries 10,000 ways to do it. And he says, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 ways not to do something. It all starts with you doing something with what you've got in your hands right now. For me, this book, it was something I wanted to do for 10 years. But I had to ask myself, Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm sitting here with my friend Zach Bernatsky, and we're talking about mind games. We're talking about winning on the inside so you can win on the outside. And Zach and I are just going to have a conversation. Part of this podcast is talking about all things related to kind of the the behind the scenes of my world, my life, pastoring the church, (laughs) being a dad of five kids, writing this new book. And so I asked Zach to come on here and help me talk about it because. I don't want to just be sitting here by myself talking about it, at least not in these first few episodes. So, Zach, I'll let you kind of start off with some questions, and we'll just dive into it. Well, first, congrats. Your book is launched. Man, thank you, bro.
1: (laughs) It's surreal. It's awesome. Thank you, bro. It it was so cool, even in the lobby at church, to just see everyone gathering
0: around it, the excitement around it. Um, Your team did an amazing job helping me develop just the release behind it yeah uh the graphics the video all that stuff and i really appreciate you i appreciate those y'all don't know zach runs all of our creative media um, as a church as a ministry and helps us with everything we do digitally on online and all the platforms so thank you bro
1: Absolutely. Like everything we do here at Victory, it's all about great teams, and we've got a great media team. So shout out to you guys, media team. Caleb behind the camera, Ashley, Sam, Kyle, everyone involved Teamwork in that. Makes Teamwork makes the dream work. work. Come on, on, dude. It's a great village. It is. Well, I let's just jump straight with yeah. this. You know, you just launched— like we just launched the book. It's out there. Yes. Everyone can go buy and purchase it. How do you feel? What is it like now having this book
0: out in the open um, and having the launch done? It's vulnerable. It's exciting. Um, it's vulnerable from the standpoint of people are going to read something I've been working on for 10, 11, 12 years. And I'm a little nervous that like they may not love every page. Um, and, you know, the truth is every book a person reads is going to have slow moments, moments. Like some of my favorite books are not home run, uh, you know, hits on every single page in the book or every chapter, but there's still a great book at the end of the day. And so my prayer is like, as people are reading it, if they don't love everything, they could take the meat, spit out the bones. Um, it is vulnerable because it's like, okay, it's personal, you know, when you think about people reading that book and wanting them to see what you see and hear what, you know, From my heart. Um, But it was cool today. You know, we're recording this podcast on the day it came out in our church. And it was cool to see people lining up and then bringing the book in and asking me to sign it. And they were like, hey, regardless of whether, you know, this book sells a ton of books, I just want you to know I love you as my pastor. And I love coming to this church and allowing you to speak into my life because you've spoken so much encouragement and hope. And I'm excited to read your book, um, because of the pastor you are to me. And that was, that was really encouraging to see people support the book, not just because they think it's a good book, but because they love me as their pastor. And honestly, like that, that, that was really a a cool feeling to have. I've never had that because I've never had a book out. Um, but to have someone come and say, I want to support this resource you've got, not just because I think this resource matters or because it's great for people, but because of you to me. And so that was cool. Um, but I got super tired signing all the books, but I (laughs) wanted to make every person feel valuable. And so I was, you know, writing a full on note in each book of like encouragement. And then, um, Finally, I was like, okay, I need a glass of water. Like I need some, I need like a bag of honey roasted peanuts just to keep me, you know, because I have not eaten breakfast. On Sundays when I preach, I don't like to eat breakfast before church. Just side note. I don't know if any pastors, leaders out there listen to this, but I would be interested in morning routines for people who have to get up and speak on a Sunday or whatever day it is they get up and speak if they like to have a meal before Or if they eat after, for me, I like to eat after. And so by the time we're done with our 11 a.m. service and today signing all those books till about 1.32 p.m., I was like, oh, I am starving and I need a glass of water, you know? So anyways, side note, but man, I'm excited. The book is out. I'm excited for um, the interview launch night with Mike Todd that's happening on January 10th. And depending when you listen to this, that night will already have happened. Um, But I'm looking forward to sitting down with my good friend, Mike Todd, who pastors an amazing church in the city of Tulsa, Transformation Church. It's been so cool to watch you guys
1: and your relationship as two pastors in the same city. Um, You know, we're, multiple different churches, but we're all part of one body, the body of Christ. And it's been cool to see you and Pastor Mike and your relationship and the way you guys support one another. And I'd love to dive deeper into what that relationship looks like. How did you guys become friends? And how do you guys just continue to support each other as pastors within the same city?
0: Yes. Well, funny story. Um, I actually have a chapter in the book about Mike Todd in Mind Games. its I think it's chapter, let me see real quick, Um, because I got to remember where we put it. Chapter six, the title of this chapter is called Everybody's Got a Buzz Lightyear. And what I talk about is that when Mike Todd blew up in Tulsa as the most really like popular young voice in the church um, worldwide, I think that was year 2017 or 18, he just went viral. And when he blew up, I felt like if you've ever seen the movie Toy Story, um, the character in the movie Toy Story named Woody, he is like this cowboy. He's, you know, he's got a p- place in the. It's such a funny story, but he basically feels confident in who he is until this new toy shows up in this kid's bedroom, and the new toy is Buzz Lightyear, and he's cooler, and he's like, people are attracted to his style and his voice, and he can fly, right? And so in the movie, Woody is like threatened and jealous and insecure and comparing himself to Buzz. And that's honestly how I felt for a season with Mike. I went through my own mind games of thinking, man, we're pastoring in the same city and all the young people that I wanted to reach with you know, our church and with what God's called me to speak, I felt like, oh, I don't even come close to the incredible voice that Mike Todd is He's Buzz Lightyear, and I'm just like this cowboy Woody, you know, Paul. And um, what's funny is me and Mike, we knew each other when we were teenagers. So when I was 18 years old, I had a band called Envoy, and we recorded music at Mike's house when he was 18. We're both the same age, and um, he was a music producer. Someone had given us his number, and they were like, hey, you should work with my friend Mike Todd he produces music and he had just produced an album for uh, Wayman Tisdale. It was like a jazz album here in Tulsa. And so I was like, yeah. And I went to his house, he ran his studio out of his house. This was back in 2004, 2005, 2004. And we started talking and kind of preparing and he ended up recording our whole album, helping me release it in 2007. And so we had this great friendship We both stepped in as young adult pastors in our different churches. When I was the young adult pastor for Victory, I pastored our college ministry called 3D from 2008, all the way to 2013. He pastored the college ministry at a church called Greenwood. Um, I think it was called Greenwood Christian Center. And the young adult ministry that he pastored was called SoFly. And he did that for a couple of years. And then we both stepped into becoming the lead pastors of our churches the same year. So in 2014, I stepped into pastoring Victory um, and that same winter coming into the new year of 2015, he stepped into pastoring Greenwood and he changed the name to Transformation. Well, both of us were leading our churches. I invited him to come preach at our church. He invited me to come preach at his church and everything was pretty much like the same until he did his series, Relationship Goals and it skyrocketed. Millions of people around the world started listening to his sermons and his voice and YouTube. And I remember watching his like Instagram account just blow up. And I was jealous. I was threatened. I was discouraged. And he could feel it. Like he was like, Paul's not being himself around me. We would go have breakfast, coffee. And I was like, So how was it preaching for Elevation Church, you know? I was just like (laughs) so salty and I was so stupid and I was just, you know, I was jealous. And finally he just looks at me with this side eye and he's like, bro, what do you got against me? And I was like, I don't have anything against you. He's like, no, bro. He's like, you have been acting strange ever since our social media and online ministry is blown up. And he's like, bro, I can't help that. He's like, God is doing something in that. And I was like, I know. And I said, Mike, the truth is, man, I just feel, I feel less than. And I felt like I've been in a comparison trap. And so I have a whole chapter all about comparison and how to get over it and how to deal with feelings of insecurity, jealousy, comparing yourself to someone else. And I remember we had this beautiful breakfast um, at Metro Diner a uh, uh, breakfast place here in Tulsa. This was the end of 2018. And I had probably gone 16 months of dealing with this mind game, this battle. Cause I was pastoring our church and our church wasn't like decreasing or losing, but we obviously weren't on the same level of impact and influence and uh, online reach that transformation was seen. And honestly, God was stripping me of vain ambitions. And I think this is a huge thing for pastors and leaders. We wanna believe that our dreams and our ambitions are all about bringing God glory. But if we really like dug down deep, a lot of those ambitions can be more about personal glory, more about personal feelings of success, personal feelings of like, I matter. Um, And God was stripping me of that. God was like, you may never have anything close to Mike's impact. And you need to be okay with that. You need to be okay that I have called you and anointed you to minister to people. And it is all about the glory of God and your obedience to what I've called you to do. And it's not about YouTube numbers or Instagram followers. Do we wanna be impactful? Yes, but I think we have to check ourselves and go, what number am I chasing and why? Am I chasing a number of subscribers or followers or views on YouTube to try to keep up with another guy in town or to try to compete with another church? Or am I chasing impact so I can be a greater impact for the kingdom of God? And that's where I had to get to. I was not there. And I didn't realize it was was vain until it was confronted with comparison and jealousy. And God brought me through a crucible And I remember at the end of 2018, I was sitting at Metro Diner and I just teared up and I had asked Mike to meet me for breakfast. We would probably meet once a quarter. We still do. Our kids are in the same class at school. And I remember sitting down with them and I was like, Mike, I've been battling mind games and it's about you. And he was like, wait a minute, I'm your mind game? And I was like, it's actually not you, it's me. It's my insecurity, my jealousy. And he's like, bro, I know that. I was like, okay, we'll stop. He was like, I felt it. I've recognized you've been battling that for the last you know, year and a half or so. And he's like, I just want you to know, Paul, I battled some of those same feelings when I saw you step in at victory and there was a lot of um, immediate increase of what God was doing in your church when you stepped in. I was like, really? He was like, yeah. He's like, you guys got to immediately see um, a pretty good size, like, reach as a church in that first year you stepped in? I was like, I didn't think so compared to your you know, viral blow up on, on YouTube. He was like, we all have different things that we look at someone else and we go, I wish I had their hair. I wish I had their body. I wish I had their church. I wish I had their you know, relationship. I wish I had their voice, their impact, their personality. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get stuck in these feelings of like, if I had what he had or she had, then i would feel more successful i'd feel more and he said the enemy has played in his own mind too so we'll we'll talk about that obviously in the next episode but thankfully after that breakfast him and i we hugged we everything that i had been holding on to i released and i was genuinely able to celebrate my friend and honor his success cuz he had worked so hard he had hustled so hard to see what god was going to do and was doing through transformation and has continued to do. Here we are in 2024 and that church is continuing to reach millions of people online worldwide through his books, through their, his sermons, through his, their ministry. And I've been able to be a better friend on the other side of winning the mind games against Mike Todd uh, that I was facing in 2017, 2018. And his the friendship that he is, like the friend he is to me, we will oftentimes drop our kids off at school, sit in one of our cars, and just like cry and share our hearts about what it's like to be a pastor and a dad of lots of kids. Cause he's got four, we've got five kids. He, he and I are the same age. We both face the same feelings of just, you know, the enemy throws mind games at you, whether it's discouragement or was my sermon received well this past week, a family left our church. And so we'll sit there and just encourage each other. And being on the other side of that mind game of comparison, to be able to be a genuine encourager to Mike and him be a genuine encourager to me is a gift from God. So when when I was finishing the book, I was sitting in his car. Uh, this was in 2023 and I was like, Mike, would you want to do the book launch with me when it comes out? He was like, bro, I would be honored to. And he was like, are you serious? I would love to sit with you on stage, interview you about your book, talk about winning the mind games and, um, And so I was like, okay, let's do it. That second Wednesday in January, and we put it on the calendar. So it really was honestly a testament of being able to walk through the test of a friendship and come out on the other side with a victory. You were talking through, you know, just that whole
1: journey of, Man, I'm comparing myself, and I'm feeling over. I feel like I'm not good enough, and almost having that jealousy. And then that beautiful moment where you, you guys open up, and through honest conversation, um, you talk through it, and you find healing from that. Yeah. Um, in your mind. And so, what did that do for you? Whether personally, whether there was breakthrough or if you just, if it opened your eyes to see what God was doing in your life already, that maybe that jealousy was blinding you from, but what
0: did that breakthrough in that mind game do for you in your life? Well, one, during the season that I was battling all these comparison thoughts with Mike and watching his ministry, I would literally open up Instagram and just be angry. I'd be like, ah, they're reaching thousands more people than us. And they're running eight services on a Sunday. And I was so discouraged. And it was from a place of vanity. It was from a place of selfish ambition. And the Lord began to honestly like detox me. Wow. It was a healthy crucible for me to open my eyes and go, wow, there's something in my heart that's ugly like envy, jealousy. Um, I think it's called, is it called the green monster? Like the green, green monster of envy. It is a monster. It is a, um, it's a mind game of destruction because you, you never feel good enough. And when you do compare yourself and you feel awesome, you're putting someone else down in your mind. Like it's all about you versus somebody else. When in reality, the biggest person we need to beat is ourselves. Like, It's not me versus Mike. It's me versus me. Mm. It's me versus the fleshly Paul. It's, it's spirit man versus, you know, the cravings of the flesh. And so who I need to beat is who I was yesterday. I need to beat the lazy Paul. I need to beat the undisciplined Paul. I need to beat the Paul that is holding the real Paul back from being who God's called him to be. I don't know if that makes sense, but Um, what it began to do is free me from trying to be in a matchup in my head with another person and really focus on the bigger matchup that the bigger matchup is I've got to be better than I was yesterday. I've got to keep on growing. I've got to keep on learning. I've got to keep on studying. I've got to keep on preparing. I've got to bring my best every day to work. I've got to bring my best every day to my marriage, uh, to being a dad, to my children, to being a pastor of our church. To being a leader in our organization. And I can't be the best if I am focused on somebody else. If I'm watching someone else's stories and literally on Instagram looking at all their stories, then I'm missing my story. Yeah. And I'm not writing my story the way that I should be. And so I had to win that. And what it did was it freed me up with a whole lot more mental space. And I was able to focus. You know, you and I, we both put our phones on Do Not Disturb yeah. right before this podcast. And the do not disturb feature on the iPhone. I don't know when that came out, but somebody who worked at Apple realized this thing can be distracting. All the apps, all the social media, all the notifications, all the news alerts, all the text messages, emails, all of that. So somebody at Apple was like, we need to invent one button. And when they hit that button, it literally makes their phone undisturbable. It makes them be in a focused state. And right now, you and I, we don't know if we're getting texts or calls or notifications because we have the do not disturb on. And in the same way, if I'm distracted by all of these mental you know, alerts of somebody else's life and I'm thinking about them and I'm, I've got their story on my mind, I've got how great they are and what they're accomplishing, I am so distracted in that state. But if I can go, hey, hold on, it's not that I don't care about that person or I'm going to ignore them, It's actually that I wanna be able to genuinely celebrate them. And to do that, I've gotta stop allowing my mind to drift into thoughts of constant uh, thinking about them and their success and what they're doing. And I think once we do that, we we gotta look in the mirror and go, what is it in me that is constantly obsessed about trying to be better than somebody else? And then coming back to, hold on, I need to know who I am in Christ. Um, There was a day where my wife and I, we were talking during the same season back in 2018. And she was like, Paul, you're valuable. And I was like, well, I know that. And she was like, no, but like, just because some of these other pastors are more famous and they are the celebrity preachers and they are featured on, you know, back in the day, what was that sneaker uh, Instagram page? um Preachers and sneakers. Preachers and sneakers. <laughs> that came out right around that same time. I remember and that. And she was like, You should be glad you're not featured on that. I was like, my shoes cost fifty bucks at Walmart and I've got a pair of a hundred dollar boots from Aldo, you know? Um, and she was like, Yeah, but at the at the end of the day, she was like, That's why our church loves you, Paul. Mm-hmm is because you are Mr. Old Navy, you're Mr. Gap, you know, you are a lot cheaper (laughs) of a dresser than most people. And she said, you also are valuable in who God's called you to be, regardless of whether you have 10,000 views on a sermon or followers on Instagram, a certain amount. And when she said that to me, it was like, it was helpful to hear her say that because anytime your wife affirms you, you feel good. but I also had to believe it. It's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to believe it. And so I remember calling a mentor, an older father, and I was telling him my feelings of comparison and discouragement. And I was telling him what my wife said. And he was like, Paul, I'm speaking this as a father. You need to stop worrying about keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with Mike, trying to battle for that online viralness. You just need to be faithful Mm -hmm. Where God's called you, you can still use social media. You can still upload your sermons. You can still uh, share your messages, but don't do it from a place of chasing fame or chasing influence or chasing numbers or followers. He's like, do it from a place of you wanna help people get victory. And if that's your motivation, that's a healthy motivation. But if the motivation is some other comparison trap, you will never feel good. No matter how many people you reach, you'll never feel good enough. Yeah. Once I got that in my head and believed it in my heart, something shifted and I was able to enjoy what I was doing a whole lot more and do it from a better place with a healthier motive. Man, that's awesome. It's Thank such a you, healthy bro. place to be in. You were part of that season. Yeah. You were helping me develop sermon videos. Yep. When, when did you start working at Victory? 20, it was 2016.
1: I came. Okay. I think it was 20. Oh, no, 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 no. 2017, I came in um, as an intern and then jumped on full-time staff 2018.
0: So you were watching this, working with me, From developing social media content, and you you obviously could feel it and probably knew it. Um, but I think, yeah, that's funny and interesting as we're sitting here talking about that. Yeah, and I can
1: say um, now, you know, working with you closely over the years, it has been cool to just see as not and not knowing the internal mind games but now knowing the internal mind games it's like wow i can see it in just the stuff we produce mm. the ideas that you have um they're just they're it's not you know, we're our part of our job is this weird, especially in creative. It's like we want to be viral, we want to get big, we want to make sure that everyone sees it because we believe in the message, but it can't be the main focus. And if it gets in the yeah. way of the final message, yeah, then that's where it becomes detrimental. If we're doing something just to become viral mm. and we're no longer worried about well, we're just well, what if how does it hit? And if yeah. we're more worried about hey, what's the message we're trying to reach to people? Yes. And then we are going to give our best in what yeah. we do. And then there's a little bit of trusting God on that on that back end. Yeah. It's I feel like the content we're creating is so much more pure and in that it's actually more impactful. Mm. And so I care about numbers. I think numbers are a good Measuring point of where we are, and we have our goals, and we should care uh, about, and we should care about. We we were super excited when we hit a hundred thousand on YouTube. Come on, it's a
0: huge moment. And I want I want to say this because some people do think out there like, oh, churches shouldn't care about numbers. You should just care about reaching the individual. But God put a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. Come on, so God actually cares about numbers too. And God cares about. I mean, throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation, God specifically lists numbers. Even in the book of Nehemiah, I was reading this recently, Nehemiah was specific to name names Mm -hmm. and list numbers. He says there were 34,000 from this tribe that worked on the wall. Yeah. Well, why would he say that number? Because it mattered who was part of the kingdom building season of Israel reestablishing who they were in that time. And in the same way, I think the church should be aware who's involved, we should know names, but we should also be aware of that number. Hey, how many are we reaching and are we being good stewards with what God's given us? So you care about the number, but I also think, like you said, the motivation behind caring about that should never be from a place of vanity Mm -hmm. or just we wanna hit this certain number so we feel awesome. It should always be about, man, we want more people to experience the gospel. Therefore, we're content with what God's doing here, but we also wanna reach the people who aren't here yet, the people who haven't heard the sermon yet. And I think that should be our motivation, you know?
1: Yeah, you said a good word in there, it's stewardship. Yes. Um, and I think that's where numbers come in for me because I we run and operate off the generosity of everyone connected to this house, off yeah. those tithes and offerings. So for me, whenever, even when we're talking about campaigns or did a post do good? It's like, well, how much time did we spend on that? that's where we can look at the number and say, did the number equal how much time we spent on it? Was the impact worth it? Because at the end of the day, that's a tithe dollar that we've been entrusted with, and are we stewarding that well? And so we don't look at numbers necessarily from a, or try not to as best we can from a vanity and, oh, look at us. It's more of, are we stewarding what God has given us well? Mm. So I love that you said stewardship in there. That's right on, that's... That's right in line with, I feel like, how we are trying to operate within the social media and creative department as we look at numbers is that's our measurement.
0: Um, Not so much of how cool are we or all that stuff, but more how are we stewarding. And I think this is good for everyone who's watching out there that may be in a place where you go, um, how do I guard my heart against the vanity of chasing a certain number of followers or views or subscribers or even if you're a pastor and like you're looking at the numbers in your church, how do I guard against the vanity of selfish ambition or personal, you know, glory versus living for the glory of God and being a good steward with God's house? And I think that tension yeah. should be a constant question we're asking each year to just just check our hearts and go, have I drifted into a place of selfish ambition or personal glory chasing? Or am I staying in that place of, I'm doing this for the glory of God and I'm being a good steward with what he's given me? Ashley brought something up the other day, my wife to our staff. She said, I've lived at times with this fear, not in a a bad way, not an unhealthy way, but a healthy fear of God, that if someone had the, the deck of cards that I have in life, would they do better because they're gonna work harder, be more disciplined with my deck of cards than I'm Mm. doing right now. Like, am I settling for mediocre personal habits in my life and just saying, well, this is just who I am. It's my personality. It's my Enneagram number. Like, I'm just not a focused person. If someone else took what I have right now, my current gifts and talents that God has given me and multiplied it 10 times more than I am right now, then that's a good indicator. I'm not being the best steward with my time, my energy, my gifts, my kids, whatever that is. And I think that's a healthy, like that shouldn't make you feel discouraged every day, but that should drive you a little bit to every year go, let's believe for more. Let's pray for more impact, healthier body, healthier mindset, healthier emotions, more like stewardship leads to increase. Matthew 25, Jesus tells that parable of the talents. One man was given five, one was given two, one was given one. The man with five went out and multiplied it. At the end, God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with little. I'm about to make you ruler over more. So stewardship leads to more. It leads to more responsibility, more impact, more influence. The guy with one, he says, I was afraid that, that you would come back and that I would have either lost this talent or, you know, you know, something like that. So he says, I hid what you gave me. And out of fear, he didn't use what he had and he just hid it, right? And God says, you lazy servant. Like, I think this is, these are hard words to hear, but in a time where so many people just wanna like, almost live under the license of the love of God allows me to do whatever I wanna do, I think we gotta come back to a healthy, not afraid of God, but a healthy honor and awe that God has given me a gift. He's given me dreams, he's given me a book, he's given me something to do. And in my lifetime, working hard to accomplish that, working hard to grow this ministry online, working hard to reach more people is not from a place of selfish ambition. So if you're a pastor out there, it's not selfish to want your church to grow. I was talking with a young pastor last year of a church in a smaller city. And he said, I, I'm thankful for the 100 people that come to our church and I feel really blessed. But I look at our city and I see that we've got 10,000 people. And he said, is it bad that I wanna reach more than 100? I said, no. And he said, am I bad for thinking that maybe God has more than 100 people that he's called to be a part of our church? And I said, no, as long as you're not chasing that to look good in the eyes of certain people or to look like a success in somebody else's eyes if you are pursuing to reach more people in your town that don't know Jesus to add to that 100 and you are content and you love those 100 people that's not bad that's that's good stewardship but you know i think we're living in a time where people will always try to judge motives behind why you want to grow your business or grow the ministry or reach your you know subscribe whatever that is and i think you've got to You've got to personally, I've got to personally always be checking my heart and my mind. What's my motivation? Am I being a good steward? Am I doing this for the glory of God or the glory of man? Mm -hmm. And if I'm doing it for the glory of God and I'm pursuing that growth, for me, this book, it was something I wanted to do for 10 years. But I had to ask myself, is the success that I'm after for this book about selling a certain amount of books or is it about, getting a message out to the world. And if I had to give away these books to thousands of people and never sell a book, I would be happy about that. I'd be happy because at the end of the day, I was obedient. For me, success equals obedience. It doesn't equal 500 books sold, 1,000 books sold, 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, or 100,000. Success equals obedience. Am I obedient to pursue what God's called me to do, faithful steward of it, doing the best, May not always get it right. I'm not perfect, but I'm going to keep getting up every day and trying to get better and 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 overcoming whatever lazy habits I need to overcome. Sorry, that was a whole tangent. I love it. Oh, because it's it's a mind game. I mean, at the end of the day, it
1: is a mind game of, okay, these are all the things I've been given, even in my brain, the ideas I've been – we were even talking before this. We were talking about the iPhone. We were talking about the light bulb. Yes. Thomas Edison, all of these ideas that start in the mind. Yes. And I think there are God-given ideas and inspirations and passions that we've been placed within us that we're called to steward well, but it is a mind game. And so what are, what are your thoughts? Like how do we steward those passions and how do we find those passions, whether it be writing a book or um, inventing something like a light bulb? Yes. Um, what, well,
0: how do we find that? How do we develop that in our mind? It's a great question. There is a part of my book where I talk about inventions and how they all started in the mind. And I love that you brought up Thomas Edison. Thomas Edison, we were both saying, he tried 10,000 times to make this idea that he saw in his head. And I think the idea probably started when he was looking at a candle. I don't know Thomas Edison, but my guess is he's looking at a candle, he sees the light of that fire, light up a room, and maybe he's thinking to himself, how do I create that fire in some sort of form that doesn't require fire, that gives light to a room? I don't know, like somewhere in there, he's thinking of this thought and he tries 10,000 ways to do it, and he says, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I learned 10,000 ways not to do something. There we go. And I think it's healthy to remind yourself just because you haven't figured it out yet or released it yet or finished it yet or gotten it out there doesn't mean you failed. You're still learning all the different ways to finally get that product, that book, that dream, that idea, that ministry, whatever that is out of you. But the the real important thing is don't don't get to the end of your life like that person in the parable of the talent saying, well, I was afraid of failing, so I hid it. Do something with it. Get it out there in some way. And I think Thomas Edison found a way to get out there. Henry Ford, same thing. He was working on what his idea in his mind was to build a car, but he didn't know what to call it. He didn't call it a car. He called it a quadricycle. And he was working with bicycle parts and he puts an engine on top of bicycle wheels and he had to bust down his shop because... The quadricycle he built was too big to even move inside of this small little wow. shack behind his rental house that him and his wife were renting and they didn't have money. And I think we've got to overcome the feeling of to do something great with my life, I need to have a certain amount of money to release this idea, to publish this book or to launch this company, or I need investors. I need angel investors. I need people that are you know, gonna help me get this thing out there. And the truth is, it all starts with you doing something with what you've got in your hands right now. Yeah. And when you do something great with what's in your hands right now, for Thomas Edison, he was working on a light bulb. For Henry Ford, it was working on a car. For Steve Jobs, it was coming up with this right here and working with Steve Wozniak out of a garage, right? And then thinking about, uh, you know, Facebook started with two guys talking at, at, in college about launching a social media app, Instagram, Twitter, all these different things that we use today the buildings we sit in it all started as an idea in someone's head every place out there and so I think the the most important thing is to guard your mind from feelings of failure shame discouragement lies from the enemy saying you can't you're unqualified and really believe like God's put something inside me and I've got to I've got to get it out I've got to do something in 2024 to get this idea fleshed out come on
1: That's awesome. And again, great resource right here. Mind Do it.
0: (laughs) Bro, order it, get it out there. It's at every bookstore now. You can get it wherever books are sold. And I believe, you know, this, some people have said, is this a book just for mental health? And it's not. In fact, I would say that's maybe a percentage of a, a half percentage of the book is going to aim towards getting you mentally healthier and stronger. But the other half of the book is really what we've been talking about today. Like, Honestly, being the most best version of who God's called you to be, pursuing the victory that God wants you to walk in in everyday life and fulfilling the dreams he's put inside you, it all starts on the inside. Victory in, on the outside starts with victory on the inside. So get the book, get it for a friend. If you know someone who's in a season that just needs some encouragement, I believe this book will speak life into you. I agree.
1: So much wisdom and life experience in that book. If you missed the episode last week, go back and check it out. Pastor told us the whole story behind the book and even his journey through it. So, man, I appreciate you being so vulnerable, both Thank with the book know. book and with your thoughts, and just coming on here and talking about it. Um, it's just so cool to see and hear. And as you know, someone who's worked with you for six years and watch this whole process unfold it's so cool to see the years and years of hard work and the years and years that you tried multiple things and you know we i know we we've gone through a couple different even versions of what this looked like and coming here just watching you um really hone in and make sure it's the right message for people i think it's the right time
0: and i'm really excited for the impact that this book will make thank you zach thank you guys love y'all so much thanks for joining the podcast Thank you for subscribing and following us on this. And if you think this podcast would be helpful for other people out there, pass it on to them, copy the link, share it on your page. Uh, Let's continue to get people living and walking in victory in every area of their life. We love you so much. God bless you. Your best days are right in front of you.